This is part two in a series where I explore how different geisha coffees are. Last episode was about a cupping with 12 different geishas and my experience with roasting a geisha from Costa Rica. This time I'm talking to the Coffee Collective Roastery here in Copenhagen, Denmark. They have a long experience with geisha coffee. They have been buying geisha from the famous Esmeralda farm since 2009. And now they also sell acacia from Bolivia. You're listening to the podcast Coffee Roasting Navigated. My name is Therese Brunstedt. This is a podcast about all the differences in coffee roasting. All this time, the differences in very expensive coffee. Before we talk geishas, let us hear a little about how the Coffee Collective roast coffee, how they decide when to stop the roast, a theme from earlier in this podcast. They roast on a 30 kilo loring. I talked to one of their roasters. There are three guys doing the roasting at Coffee Collective. Uh, my name is Samuli and I work at Coffee Collective here at Gotthofsvej. And for how long have you been roasting coffee? Uh, since 05, but seriously since uh, 07. Yeah. And you started somewhere. I thought you'd been at another roastery as well before this one. Uh, Copenhagen Roaster, mm-hmm. uh, where Peter Dupont, who's the CEO of Coffee Collective, he was the uh, director of um, or head of Roastmaster at uh, Copenhagen Roaster. Uh-huh. And so, for how long have you have you been working for Coffee Collective? Uh, since uh, the beginning of 12, 2012. 2012. Yeah. Good. And in this podcast, I have uh, I have had a, th- a theme to talk about how the roasters decide when to stop the roast. And what do you do here at Coffee Collective? How do you make the decision? I know you have been listened to the earlier episodes, so you know a little bit about how uh, the other roasters have told about their different ways of doing it. How do you decide it here? We mainly uh, look at time and temperature. Uh, because our experience tells us that if we are relying on our own like resources, the uh, scents or sites and so on, yeah. then there tends to be a slight bigger fluctuation between the end results. If we measure Actron and cup all our roasts... Actron, that's the color measurement afterwards with the uh, analysis instrument. Yeah, exactly. And and we can see that if we follow with the... We just go by numbers that the uh, uh, software the roaster tells us, yeah. then, then there's much more uh, consistency in the roasting. Uh-huh. Yeah. And when you say time, is that total time or development time from first crack starts? Uh, definitely for us, uh, development time is more important than the total roast time. Yeah. yeah. So you also cl- listen closely to when first crack starts? Uh, we do that, especially initially when we when we get the beans and so on. Uh-huh. But uh, in the beginning when we get the beans, there's... Uh, s- quite a lot of alteration in the roasting roast profiles because we're oh, trying, trying to out different things yeah exactly when, uh, when like it. exactly and then when time passes and the uh, greens get older then we also adjust the roasts for that and then the, also you need to sometimes adjust the roast uh, depending on the temperature in your roasting facility because the, the climate the weather yeah, and and when you cool, when they when you drop into the cooling tray, the cooling time differs quite a lot. If there's a big fluctuation in the ambient temperature inside of your roastery, yeah, yeah. So so you'll so also, you also have adjust the roast. You have to you to have that? yeah yeah, and you yeah. can see it in the Actron. So this is measurable. 
Remember the episode Sip One with Mike Castani, where he told about the impact of the cooling time? The coffee collective had the same suspicion. I asked if they had measured it. Measured how many minutes to cool to a certain temperature? No, they had not. But as Samley points out... And then there's 1,000 factors that we don't want to aware of. And then, and then, and then there's probably 1,000 factors that we're not aware of, and they're where we are, just trying to get by. So, to determine how to roast a new bean, the coffee collective use development time and bean temperature to decide when to stop the roast. But in the production roast, when they have decided on a profile. They dump only according to bean temperature. And then afterwards, check the roast by measuring the color with the Actron analyzer. The Coffee Collective started in 2007, so of course they have a lot of experience and have tried out a lot of things. And they roast very light. Like Now we are, we are renowned to be like one of the really high-end roasters, together yeah. with La Capra, uh, April and so on. Yeah. Uh, and there can sometimes be this notion that okay then we have really understood lots of the things happening and we have really reached far and I would say that to, to, to a great extent we have and we do lots of experiments but then we tend to stick with what we find works but then you can't change everything all the time no, because exactly. then you have too many variables exactly yeah. but then sometimes happens things that are really really fantastic and really frustrating we got a coffee from uh, Sweden a Colombian, where we measured the Actron and we tasted it. It tasted amazing, a Colombian coffee. And then we measured the Actron. And the Actron was like eight digits higher, it means lighter, than our normal roasts. Yeah. And we were like, okay. Can we, you roast a coffee that light? Can we and roast can it still this kind of coffee? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is it the region within the country? Because the uh, countries are the same. Is it the region the difference? Is it the. Uh, so, by the, the book, by your rules, this coffee should not be to your liking. No, it should be underdeveloped. underdeveloped. Yeah. But it was amazing. And yeah. we all agreed it was amazing. So, even though we have done lots of experiments, we were like. You can always get blown away and. Yeah, we were outside, out of the box. We were so surprised. How did they do that? They roast on the same roast as we do, the uh, Loring. Yeah. What did they do? What yeah. What haven't we understood? <laughs> so that's really, really frustrating and really fantastic. Well, that's actually a point in this podcast. Coffee roasting is complex. It can be done in so many ways, and no one understands it completely. Now, let's talk geishas. Samuel and I are here looking at green bean geishas. We got beans from the famous Esmeralda farm from Panama, the one with the auction and the very high prices. And then a geisha from Bolivia, very high grown. And then some Costa Rica and Guatemala geishas. Samuel also took in a non-geisha coffee, an Ethiopian coffee because Samley found that the taste is not far from the geishas, but the price is much lower. Later we will roast these coffees, but first we talk about the different geishas on the market and the pricing. So one of the, one of the difficult things with, with geisha is, as many knows, there's lots of different kinds of geisha. 
but uh, and lots of them they are bought from the same uh, place in Costa Rica. Yeah, that's and kind of the plant school, is yeah, called exactly. in Danish, where you call you buy the the seeds for exactly. planting the exactly. the geisha. Here, I just need to say, plant school is a direct translation from Danish. The correct English term is nursery. And lots of them, they are bought from the same uh, place in Costa Rica. Is that the genetically the same, same as Esmeralda? I do not know, but uh, when you buy from the plant school in Costa Rica, some of the you get a certification that it is like the original geisha. Mm-hmm. Whether it is like exactly the same as Esmeralda, I would love to have the definite answer for that. But my impression is that it is bought in the belief that it is like from the same uh, mother or it's mother it's yeah exactly I as the as story that 100 years ago it came from Ethiopia to Panama exactly so and then stayed. it should both should originate from this plant or this uh, some say species. that and then I've also heard that it came from Ethiopia to Costa Rica and from Costa Rica mm-hmm. it was bought by a Panamanian yeah. farmer who brought it to Panama that could be very likely as Ex- well exactly so anyways like yeah. so so this farm we need not mention any names and so on but this you farm this this uh, Guatemala Guatemala. This farm bought like the geishas mm-hmm. from the plant school in Costa Rica, and there are some of the same characteristics, very much alike. Yeah, they're very long and Ex- slim. And exactly, uh, exactly. Yeah. But still, these geishas very often lack the same extreme characteristics as how we define the real high-quality geishas, as the jasmine, and the florality, the and taste, all of that. Taste-wise, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that is that is really bothering me uh, and it is to an extent also bothering the farmers because there What's is the trick there is the certificate blah 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 it's a healthy plant yeah i mean if there was any plant growth defects yeah it would explain that yeah. okay it doesn't mature in the same way and therefore it is not as complex as the other geisha but, th- but this is uh, this is what geisha shows us that there's so much more to the coffee than the DNA of the bean. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or else we just don't know the entire story of the DNA of the bean. Ah, so it I could mean, also be a mutation on the Esmeralda farm. Who knows? I'm on deep water there. I have no comment okay. on that. I have, I have, I have no background. idea. But, but exactly, your, your but background the, is a b- bit more solid. But if you look at these, there are no like the real characteristics as you, yeah, as you define. This is our cheapest geisha from Costa Rica, and this is the cheapest I have seen. There's one, they're very uneven in size. Exactly. And we got one here who's who's had that slim, long look that looks a bit like the others, but it's like only one of them. Yeah. So there's something with the sorting there, but also these all should come from the same plant. They should all come from the same plant since they are from the. Yeah, and from the farm. Yeah. The same Ex- or yeah, exactly, same yeah, lot. Yeah. And probably if, if they are sold as a geisha, they should come from a lot where there's only geisha trees. And yeah. they should be processed at the wet mill separately so that it was only geisha processed at that time. And still you get this difference. And are you a little suspicious that they are so uneven? I mean, when it's roasted, it's even more uneven? Oh, I, do, I know too little to really say a definite answer on what kind of similarities are there in the beans that the plant produces. I mean, yeah. for all I know, this could be from the exact same plant. Yeah. 
Yeah. They just didn't use uh, screens to yeah, exactly. uh, sort out. Yeah, and this, so this could, and this has a small something, but but so the diversity from one single plant, I don't know. Maybe it is as big as this. Yeah. Yeah. What maybe they thought this expensive a bean we can't afford to use greens to maybe. sort out the small ones who knows maybe maybe but what surprises me in a way when it looks like this uh, of course you will always uh, find differences and so on but what surprises me to an, uh, to to some degree as you said with the sorting is that if you have a farm which is not your average low scale poor yeah. farmers who can't afford to really be picky and who don't have the means of being really uh, good at sorts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How come those who do have the means to do that, how can this still happen? But at the same time, I mean, in a processing plant, washing station, then dry milling and so on, maybe it's just really inevitable that this happens unless you really use a lot of resources Hence why Esmeralda maybe cost 40, 50, 60 dollars. And you get this, they're quite similar. They're more like, yeah. Exactly, similar, but, yeah. but at the same time. They're more even. Exactly, but, but at the same time. Not totally. No, no, look at this. And this was the Esmeralda farm in yeah, Panama. The, exactly. The famous one. Yeah. Exactly. This uh, one is like uh, single. It was alone in the cherry, right? Yeah, probably Because a pea berry. Yeah, exactly. A pea berry. Mm -hmm. So it was not alone in the cherry. It uh, probably ate, uh, killed it's twin okay. or the twin is inside <laughs> the evil twin yes the, yeah. tw the twin might be inside oh. as uh, undeveloped yeah. so there's uh, so often the peaberry as I've read and heard the peaberry just like takes the other one ah. yeah <laughs> have you have you hold of the story of the Esmeralda farm for how long have you, they been growing the exact same uh, I mean they've been growing it since the beginning of the farm but they have just not uh, Been aware. aware of it, exactly. one can say, until they really in the 90s started uh, copying more meticulously and yeah. noticing that okay, sometimes our coffee tastes of flowers. What's yeah. going on? Yeah. And and through that, like really discriminating lot from lot from lot, and then in the end realizing that okay, this comes from a part of our farm that we have given no attention and just being growing there. Yeah. Yeah. And so that also raises another interesting question is how often should you replant? How old should your plants be? Because the common, the common uh, um, notice, uh, the common... Yeah, knowledge. Uh, yeah, is that the uh, 20, 30 years, then you change your plants and so because on. Because they start yielding, yes. yes exactly, uh, not because of the crop quality, but the yield, as you say, yeah. goes down. So... so i mean, I don't think they care so much about their yield going down as long as they can pick up 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 dollars yeah. a pound. Yeah. Then I mean, exactly. And if it even tastes better, perhaps because it's yeah, low exactly. yield, who knows? Yeah. So, when it comes to like geisha, what is the real geisha? What does geisha taste like? And blah blah. It what it gets it, it gets does, so yeah. difficult because not even the farmers necessarily know exactly why this geisha tastes with complexity yeah. and florality and then we yeah. stand on the other end of the world and try and be experts on saying oh, geisha like this and this <laughs> and I, we know even less than the farmers what I really like about geishas is uh, two things one is that they drive the market that people get ready for buying the buying more expensive paying more for coffees mm. um, and then it makes us or this comparison makes us uh, makes it more clear what is 
uh, what else is important for the taste uh, what other factors uh, the processing the height the climate mm-hmm. the drying um, that there's so many factors going in Mm-hmm. making a good coffee mm-hmm. but you're right that was new to me that we might have a mutation that these just might be the same as uh, as all the other geishas uh, but it's been on the farm for 100 years so uh, yeah exactly and and then again how many of the uh, the Costa Rican uh, plant school how many seedlings did they get from where in Ethiopia and were they all from like the geisha village how, how alike were the, the seeds Ex- exactly many, and, and yeah. are they bred later on and all of them are called geishas but just with different numbers yeah. uh, number codes and so on and and what is what I mean maybe maybe the science into that and the and the classification has gone so far so that they really have a good clear picture of it yeah. but we don't know it yeah. and I, I doubt that many roasters know exactly like no, uh, this is uh, how how extreme it can look when you and you even get a sheet with a uh, with an Esmeralda. Samuli is showing me a fancy red box from the Esmeralda farm with samples. This is sent out prior to the auction. Yeah, so I just and I once I heard it costed uh, three hundred dollars to get samples. Is that? Yeah, Alaka, Ethiopian. Samuli served coffee for me the same Ethiopian bean that we got on the table, the only one not categorized as a geisha. Uh, so what's in the cup is actually another uh, point which I think is quite relevant and which is for us in to an extent a little bit frustrating is that this coffee is 10 to 15 times cheaper than the Esmeralda. And still sometimes this coffee exhibits an amazing florality and sweetness and delicacy and the tea-like feel and everything and it's 10 to 15 times cheaper so that shows that shows that there's something within the pricing in the coffee market that's really weird yeah. Uh, I think the the price for the Esmeralda and uh, Takesi Geisha and so on with the 40, 50, 60, 80 is justified. I think it's justified due to the complexity, but also because of the uniqueness. It's not justified when it comes to is it 10, 15 times better than a good Ethiopian coffee. Yeah. Then it's not justified because then the Ethiopian coffee should be 30 yeah. in my book dollars yeah. Yeah. per pound. Per pound. Mm. But because it's so rare the geishas with complex florality and because uh, yeah and it just has a reputation I mean and I mean I think in wine it's very common that uh, you pay for the reputation as well and in in coffee we are just used to paying pretty much for the taste and that's it geisha is the only rock star that you pay for the reputation yeah but I would say that for me to see it's not for the reputation the pricing is not for me okay. it's not due to the reputation for me the pricing is due to the uh, lack of availability there's so little of it yeah and it's so unique so the uniqueness and of the uniqueness of the of how much there is and the uniqueness of the cup profile makes it uh, just uh, yeah and makes mm. it uh, that justifies the price but, but if you're a patient, you can find the same in uh, Ethiopian farmers you just served for me here. You, so you, 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 that's the reputation that you know what you get here and you have to work more for it if you have to find it elsewhere. Yes, plus, plus well, you can't find an, what is so unique. And when we go in and roast, 
what is so special about like uh, geisha beans of this quality and of the Turkese geisha that we have, what is so unique about them as well, really becomes apparent in the roasting. Because there in the roasting, you also notice that you very seldom roast beans that behave so similarly in the roasting process. So it means the high quality in the cup profile, but you also the high... Similar, is that from year to year, or is that the different samples here? No, the similarity in bean to bean. Within the same lot, the same batch, within, within, within instead so, of... Um, so, when you roast geishas, you tend to, geishas of high quality, you tend to find that they crack almost at the same exact moment. That's an exaggeration, but you know, they crack like within 10-15 seconds. That is really unique with a coffee. Uh, Kenyas crack a lot similar 10, 15 as... 15 seconds. Almost. It's, wow. it's crazy. It's like a bam! They just crack. And, and that goes both for like our Bolivian geisha and it goes for our, our uh, Panamanian geisha. And for me, that also shows one of the reasons why they cost so much. Yeah. Because you Have cannot... So much more control. Exactly. You cannot produce a coffee that cracks that similarity, that reacts to the heat without the density, without yeah. the humidity level, without yeah. the size, without yeah. everything. And that you pay for as well. Yeah. To get an Ethiopian coffee, coffee to react that ex uh, in that same way, you don't get that. Yeah, the Ethiopian's coffee are famous for being so uneven. I mean, it's the only, like the only ones who are allowed to be so uneven in size and yeah. color change and all, and they can taste good anyway. Exactly, and and the Ethiopian beans. I mean, even if Ethiopian defects can smell of blueberries. Yeah. It's like okay, I thought this was a defect, but it smells amazing. I'm looking very much forward to because now we are planning to uh, do sample roasting, so we can listen to this very gathered uh, cracking. Yeah. Uh, but I think really that the, the the cheap geisha that I got hold of, uh, this is different in all that also because uh, as you can see here in the roasted, they're even more uneven as mm. the and it's very yeah 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 yeah, um, but also in the color. Mm. Um, Exactly, I would say that both it seems as if the sorting has not been... Yeah, as, uh, it as could good have as been it, better. It could have been a they better... They have put an effort there and they uh, clearly didn't put an effort into it. Yeah, or I mean, they probably put a big effort into it. But to get even better, I think you really have to put an, an extreme effort to it. I mean, um, just making clean coffee, that requires a lot. Clean coffee means no bad taste from defects. That requires picking, that requires uh, uh, the sorting in the washing process, that requires uh, so much in the dry milling and so on. So, so just to make a clean coffee requires a lot. So already, uh, also this coffee, which we can stand here and be a little critical about, oh, they're different in size, already this requires a lot. It just goes to show how much this yeah. then requires. So this was a walk through the different green bean geishas. I learned that the high prices on the Esmeralda geisha also connects to more work at the farm with sorting of the beans. And later I read that geisha trees yield less beans than other coffee varietals. Back in the day, they were planted because of their resistance to leaf rust attack. 
But since coffee used to be paid per kilo and not per taste, there was not much business in planting geisha varieties for the coffee farmers. So this is two more reasons for the high prices on geisha, apart from the high demand. That's it for now. In the next episode, Samuel and I will roast the coffees, sample roasting in the Coffee Collective Roastery. You can follow this podcast on Facebook, search for the podcast Coffee Roasting Navigated, or read more on my website, coffeenavigated.net. My name is Therese Brunstad. Some people drink coffee to get through the day. Others get through the day to drink good coffee.